0: to start this episode i want to read an excerpt from an open letter to our country from 100 women of color leaders we must work together to hold civic administrative and corporate decision makers accountable to reach our full potential as people and as a nation this democracy must be owned by all of us for all of us we pledge our unity and determination to be ready determined and united behind a vision and plan of action to become a nation where we can all live with dignity, care for our loved ones and the land, and thrive in freedom from all forms of inequality. We can only get there together. We invite you to journey with us. See the full letter at our100.org. This is Women Killing It. Each week, women who are killing it in their careers share their stories and advice for making it in today's working world. Your host is Sally Hubbard. Today's guest is Christine Llewellyn, the owner and creative director of Christine Joy Design. Her designs are sold by retailers like Crate & Barrel, West Elm, and Minted. Congratulations, Christine. You are killing it. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Sally. Glad to be here. So I'm really interested in your story because like many of the women I've had on this podcast, you've had a pretty windy career path Mm -hmm. where, you know, you had a career in financial services that you left to pursue a passion for design. Yes. Right? I did.
1: I did. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Not a uh, straight shot at all. It was pretty
0: windy. So yeah, happy to walk you through that. Yeah. So what gave you, um, so you had an MBA, you're working Mm -hmm. in financial services. Mm -hmm. What gave you kind of the impetus and the courage to make that huge switch?
1: Yeah. So basically, I mean, for as long as I can remember, honestly, I may have been like four or five. By the time I was picking up a pencil and like drawing, I remember drawing floor plans. (laughs) Like I was like obsessed with, sort of envisioning like a perfect house and drawing a floor plan and, you know, rearranging rooms and just kind of designing um, without even knowing that that's what I was doing. But I feel like for as long as I can remember, that is sort of what brought me joy and just like stress relief. And it was just something that I always loved doing. But at the same time, I also grew up in a pretty strict uh, Caribbean household, Where doing anything um, creative as a profession was sort of frowned upon and just not ever done in my family. So it's not like I was ever told you can't do that. But just in sort of observing and like overhearing conversations, it was clear to me that that would not be acceptable. Um, so I've always had these like urges to create and to, you know, just um, do design and um, art. But I just always sort of suppressed it really and like knew that it just wasn't an option. So when I think about like me in college, like I did, I did psychology and economics uh, in undergrad, but at any chance that I could, I was like taking studio arts courses. So I took painting, I took drawing, I took, you know, basically anything I could kind of get my hands on, I took. And that sort of continued. So after college, like again, with that sort of, you know, thought in the back of my head, like I have to do something that is marketable, that is practical and traditional. I ended up going into consulting after college, again, knowing that I would probably be miserable, but thinking like, okay, well, I'm going to make good money. And mm-hmm. you know, I don't really have another option, really. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going into I, I was working Waterhouse Coopers for a while doing consulting, and was really just miserable. Like I, I knew this was like, almost the exact opposite of what I wanted to be doing.
0: Christine told me she found time for her passion and took continuing education courses in art while working her job.
1: It came to a point where I I knew I was so miserable sort of doing financial services, Mm -hmm. but feeling kind of stuck, which in hindsight seems very silly because I was only like I don't know what, 23 or 24, but feeling like, oh, well, I'm already in business. Like, I can't just like leave and do something totally different. I should stay in business, but maybe I could find an area that is a little bit more creative that would allow me to sort of use my, you know, creativity a bit more. So anyway, so I decided to pursue marketing.
0: Christine decided to go back to school and get her MBA in marketing. When she got out, Christine got a job at American Express.
1: So I was a marketing manager and I was on a team that was looking at point of purchase, innovation and design, which is funny because I didn't request anything design related at all, but I just happened to be put on that team. And what was cool about that is like we were thinking about, okay, what allows a patron at a restaurant or at whatever place to know that Amex is welcome, you know, and mm-hmm. accepted. And I think most of us would think about point of purchase signage just being those like decals that you see in a window. Right. Um, but the job uh, of our team was to sort of look beyond that and look at what are some other ways or some other like products or things that we could develop um, that are obviously branded, that would allow a customer to know that Amex is accepted. One of the biggest projects that I worked on there was the Universal Studios project. So basically, American Express was becoming the official card of Universal Studios. Okay. And through that partnership, they wanted to create some really like innovative signage that could go on every single register within the parks that was branded Amex, but that also sort of like tied in the fun and, you know, of Universal mm-hmm. Studios. So in that project, it was awesome because I was working really closely within um, an industrial designer who was coming up with the actual, like, you know, mechanism and whatever of the um, point of purchase signage that we were creating. And then I was also working with a graphic designer who was creating posters and different things to celebrate this new partnership. So I just think that that, being on that project really opened my eyes to there being sort of like a rich world of design out there that I could be a part of and this specific graphic designer who was on the project Stephen Rank who has like an amazing graphic design studio that he started on his own and just it's like blowing up he was really encouraging and was like listen like if this is what you want to do and this is what makes you happy like you can do it you know like he was just really encouraging i remember him after one particularly long meeting, him even staying over the time to uh, to just sort of walk me through work he's done. And it was just really inspiring. And I think that is what sort of gave me the impetus, you know, to, to sort of up and leave AmEx, because it was a really sort of scary time. Um, the markets were sort of crashing. It, it was just like not a time to, you know, to do something that bold and huge. It it just felt like there was so much craziness already happening. What year was that? This was like 2009. Oh yeah, that was like the the total crash, right? Yeah, exactly. Things just felt very uncertain. And Mm -hmm. I just, I was feeling like, you know, I have this job, I should stay here. But at the same time, I was, you know, working on this project that sort of opened my eyes to this whole new world. And then in addition... I was continuing to take these continuing education courses and was realizing that it was just funny. Like I I signed up for these courses and, you know, in talking to other people who were taking them as well, they were like, oh, I love design. And, you know, I like, I think I'll love this course. And by the end of the course, so many of them hated it. (laughs) They were like, oh, I thought I would have loved this, like whatever we were taking, you know? Yeah. And they were like, this was miserable. And I loved it. Like I was one of the few people who was like, At the end, like, no, this is actually what I want to do. Whereas I feel like for so many other people, it was like, oh, I thought I wanted to do this, but it's not at all what I want to do. So just, you know, having that experience and then also realizing that I was good at design. So Mm -hmm. not only did I enjoy doing it, but a lot of, I guess, the uh, instructors at these continuing education courses sort of couldn't believe that I wasn't already a designer. (laughs) You know, they were like, wow, yeah. So that really, it just gave me the confidence, you know, Mm -hmm. like the confidence and confirmation that I was on the right path and that I did have a talent for this. So I think all those things combined are what gave me the, I guess, the courage to leave Amex when I did. And what I decided to do was to go back to school, which again was like, you know, just really stressful. Like, okay, I already have my MBA. Do I want to spend all this money to get another master's degree in something totally different. Um, but I decided, yeah, I do. Like I really want to make the change. I want to commit to it. And In hindsight, like I, I don't know that I necessarily absolutely needed that master's in design, Mm -hmm. but at the time I think it, it just felt like, you know, a good thing to do. Like it would help me commit to this new decision, you know? So I did that and that's sort of how, how it all started. Like it was kind of a crazy, a crazy process, but it brought me to, to this point. And what's funny too, it's funny. I was thinking about like, what was like, was there any other, I don't know, like inspiration or did anyone inspire me to leave? And it's funny because I think about my mom a lot because for as much as she wasn't encouraging of me sort of pursuing a creative field, she herself was like a single mom. She had four kids by the time she was 40 and was working at the United Nations and, um, she knew to like get a promotion, she needed to be like posted in the Democratic Republic of Congo for a year. Um, At the time it was called Zaire. So she literally up and like left New York, moved us all to this random country in Africa, you know, just to like provide for her family. You know, like she was just so courageous and brave. And, um, And I think, you know, I would think back when I was trying to make the decision, do I leave Amex and like, go be a designer. I have no idea if I'm going to make any money. I just thought about her and like, wow, she was so courageous. You know, she did this huge thing. Like what I'm doing is like not nearly as huge, you know? Um, so it just gave me, um, I don't know. It just it was wow, definitely yeah. inspiring. Like, wow, I could, that, do if you did it. I could do it as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a very brave move, mo- uh, yeah. very brave move for her. And you know what it's Zoe- <laughs> so so life can be so strange sometimes. I was literally just interviewing uh, for last week's episode a woman who um, discovered a new fish in the Congo. Oh, and I was so just, funny. I was literally just talking to her about <laughs> the DRC. No way. Um, really crazy. That's and so I funny. had I had represented when I was working at a big law firm, I did some mm-hmm. pro bono work representing a woman who was seeking political asylum from the DRC. And, oh, wow. She had a terrible story, you know, oh, she's just horrifying. I'm sure. Of what had happened to her as a journalist um, that oh, was man. critical of the government um, in DRC. Mm-hmm. Oh, So, um, wow. yeah, for your mother to take, uh, be a single mother, take yeah. four kids and, and, uproot them and go Mm -hmm. to DRC. That's just, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So I was like, okay, (laughs) she did that. I could do this.
0: (laughs) How did your mom react when you told her you're, you're making the move to design? She was not crazy about it. (laughs) You
1: know, like she, I don't know. She, she, and she doesn't sugarcoat things. And you know, like she, she kind of made it clear like, okay, like, I don't think that's the smartest move, but if that's what will make you happy, you know, but it was clearly like she didn't think it was a very bright move. And, you know, now that I'm a parent, like I I, I kind of get it. Like while I would like to believe that no matter what my kids decide they want to do, I'm going to be totally supportive. And I really do think I will try to be. but. Yeah. Um, but you know at the end of the day you want them to be able to be you know um, self-sufficient and and I think in her mind she she's old school like she's like 70 whatever 75 almost and I think her view of being an artist is like you know the starving artist you know so it's like she just doesn't want that for me you know which i understand but i i just I think it's a generational thing. I just don't think she gets it really, but yeah, it was very clear that she didn't think it was um, a very, you know, good move on my part. (laughs) She just, you know, risk averse. And um, in a sense she's risk averse and uh, yeah, she just thought it was a risky move.
0: This has been a consistent theme though, throughout this podcast, different women that I've spoken to that we kind of, a lot of us set out on some track that was kind of, aimed more at pleasing our parents or, Mm -hmm. you know, than necessarily in tune to what we loved. And I have had this conversation with a few women. Um, One woman, Monisha Kapila said that when her mother passed away, it was like a wake up call for her
1: Mm. that, you know,
0: life is short and it's time for me to do what I want to do.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting thing. You know, I'm trying to get our listeners to focus a lot on connecting with their own self and and identifying what brings them joy. I love how you have joy in the name of your of, of your company in your company's name. Thank um, you. Yeah, it's my middle name as well. So oh, it, it is works it? Out okay. Well. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought it was because the, you were saying that the art brought you joy. Yeah, um, it works as well that way. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's you know when we do connect with what really does bring us joy instead of what other people want us to do, mm-hmm. uh, we can find great success. And you've done that. I mean, you've gotten, you're not the starving artist, you know, definition. I mean, I see you're in Crate Barrel, you're at Mm -hmm. West Elm. Yeah. I mean, to what extent do you think your your background in business helped you kind of um, succeed in that way with art? Yeah. You know, I think it's
1: interesting. I think that my background in business, having only worked in sort of corporate America, I feel like I've maybe developed sort of a level of, I don't know if it's like a level of polish in my communications Mm -hmm. that might not be there all the time with other artists. I I just don't know that for a fact, but I do think that, you know, having to draft business emails and having to sort of get to the point and, and think about why, why would the audience care. So sort of like get to the point, let them know why they should care, you know, and translating that into when I'm pitching to a company to work with, you know, highlighting, why would they want to work with me? You know, like what makes me stand out. And I think just, uh, having to do that in business, like with tons, I've written tons of like PowerPoint decks and, you know, um, I just feel like I, I'm able to, um, I think communicate maybe in a, in a, I don't know if it's a more maybe polished or <laughs> succinct fashion, or by my understanding, at the end of the day, the business wants to partner with someone who will bring them sales. You know, so sort of making that, um, highlighting that in my proposal to them, you know, like making them aware that I am business minded, I think helps. Um, and you know, deadline, I'm deadline focused, you know, like I, I think in my communications, they could get a sense that I am serious, you know, I'm serious and I'm business minded and I'm focused and You know, I reply to emails right away because that was sort of expected at work, you know. So, yeah. So I think there's um, something to be said about that that would, I guess, bring some comfort maybe to to a company looking to partner with an artist. It's like, okay, well, she, you know, makes great art, but she also will respond to an email, (laughs) you know, like quickly. So I I think um, I think that has definitely helped me.
0: Quick question guys, have you joined my email community? I share all kinds of tips from the amazing women that I interview on how to kill it in your career. My emails are all about us working together to maximize our career results and our happiness. So we're filling the mentoring gap for women and we are lifting each other up. When you sign up today, I'll send you some awesome emails including my seven step action plan to killing it. To sign up, just text all one word killing it to 38470. that's three eight four seven zero and the word to text with no spaces is killing it now back to the show one thing that i found so interesting talking to so many women on this podcast is that most of us do have these very windy career paths right yeah and at the end of the day though i'm certainly feeling this with my own career all of these kind of paths that felt like that wasn't the right job for me. And that wasn't the right job for me. And, you know, leaving from one to the next, I did develop different skills at each one of those jobs. And there's mm-hmm. things about those experiences that now are all kind of coalescing at this point in my life. Yeah. absolutely. You know, yeah. To really help me in so many ways. Like I had, um, funny enough, before I, Started my current job as a journalist and an antitrust analyst. Mm-hmm. Before that, I had been an antitrust enforcer. In between there, <laughs> I um, I had my own web startup. Oh wow! And that web startup, I closed it down. We couldn't make it. My partner and I couldn't make it work, and it felt this like this kind of total digression. But yeah. now that I've done doing this podcast, I went back to some of the women that I had met. <laughs> oh really? That's when amazing. I was doing that wow. startup, and when I was in kind of the entrepreneurial world, and a lot of other women who started their own startups, including like the, the CEO of um, Urban Sitter, which she was launching at that same time that I was launching my startup. And now it's been oh, trying cool. to stay successful. Oh, so I'm just, this, and then I interviewed her for on this podcast. So it's just kind of, so interesting to me oh. that we take all these different, you know, kind of went, paths and they feel like, oh, that wasn't right and that wasn't right. But then in the end, it all creates uh, the full person that you are. And oh, then,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially when I think about that, stint at Amex where it just felt so just not right (laughs) you know at the time like it felt like okay this is not what I want to be doing you know it's taking me kind of off course because I really know that I want to do design when I think back on it I feel like it couldn't have been a more perfect transition role you know because like going from the hard and fast like all crunching numbers at PricewaterhouseCoopers to doing design like I feel like my stint at Amex was great because it was a little bit of both so we were doing marketing and still crunching numbers and and doing that analytics but then we were also working on really creative things and things that really excited me and i just think that that was such a pivotal moment in my career because it really it sort of had both of the like components on the table and it really made me it sort of forced me to decide like no this is what I want to be doing like I'm kind of doing both but I know that this thing is what I really want to focus on and that was just amazing and at the time I didn't see it that way but now that I look back I feel like that was perfect you know because had I not been on that project I may not be where I am right now so it was actually great so it is funny how that works
0: of the successes that you have had are Mm -hmm. there any that you're particularly proud of
1: Yeah. You know, I was, I'm thinking, I was thinking about that. So it's funny. I was listening to the podcast that you did with Raquel. It's funny that she talked about her just starting this business was like Mm -hmm. such a huge success. And, um, I would have to say the same thing, you know, like, I mean, there are some other highlights that I'll, I'll talk about, but, um, I think my just deciding really to like go ahead with this idea and like leaving American Express at such a, um, I don't know, tumultuous time in the world. It felt like, um, so leaving at that time, leaving a steady job, you know, where I was getting a very regular paycheck, um, to just sort of go back to school and start all over. Um, I think when I think about that, I, I, I'm sort of amazed that I actually, you know, um, was courageous enough to do that. But then after that, so like fast forwarding a bit. So I left Amex. I went to school and did two years at Pratt Institute. I studied um, industrial design and it was so OK. I was there from 2009 to 2011. In 2011, I got married. I would say like not that long after I found out I was pregnant and that really forced me to really just think about what it is I wanted to do. So here I was with this, you know, fresh uh, masters of industrial design degree, but not really knowing what to do with it necessarily. Um, and knowing that I didn't want to, um, I just didn't want to work to work, you know, like even if it was Mm -hmm. in design, I wanted to do something that I was passionate about. And um, for a while, and I think this was like the old sort of old school Caribbean mom, you know, in the back of my mind. But for a while, um, my thought was like, okay, I have my MBA. I have my design degree. I should do design consulting. So for a while, I wanted to work for IDEO or Smart Design or Frog Design, one of these firms that they are consultancies, but they work on design issues. And to me, that felt sort of like, well, this still feels serious. Because, like, I mean, even now, I feel like I fight with the whole like super soft art, you know, and um, I don't know, it's just something that I kind of struggle with. But uh at the time I was like, "Oh, well, I'll do design consulting because it's still sort of business-like and serious, but it's dealing with design." But the more I spoke to people who were doing that, they were like at the end of the day, it's a consultancy. You're beholden to the client. If they need you to work on a weekend, you might have to, you know, if they need you to work crazy hours, you're going to have to, you know. So mm-hmm especially being pregnant and and knowing that that's not the type of life I was going to want. I was like, you know what? Think about, like, take this time to think about what you really, really want to do. And I was talking to artists who like all they were doing was art and, you know, um, and they were like, you were in such a great position because you have what so many of us lack and wish we had, which is like business knowledge. And so many of them were like, well, have you ever thought of just doing your own thing? I mean, it seems like you would be the perfect candidate to sort of launch your own business. And I it's funny, I would often like laugh it off like, no, I don't think so. But I think when I really look deep and deep down inside, I realized that it was really fair that was holding me back. And yes, of course, I would love to, you know, launch my own company. But I, I just, you know, there were just so many doubts in my mind. Like, am I good enough to launch my own company? Like, is it going to fail? Like just so many of the doubts that I think a lot of entrepreneurs and especially creative entrepreneurs feel, I was dealing with those as well. So yeah, so I, I just think that... Um, deciding to, to do it anyway, you know, to launch my own company at the time when I was pregnant. And um, I decided, it's funny, just totally randomly, just like doing a search online, I came across surface pattern design. I had never heard of that in my life. I had no idea it was even like a thing. But it was a course being offered online. It's, an, it's called the Art and Business of Surface Pattern Design. But basically, it taught you all about this new world that I'd never known about, which is surface pattern design. So you're creating the patterns that then go on products. So you create the two-dimensional patterns and a company who is the manufacturer Um, let's say it's a wallpaper manufacturer, they would come to you and say like, hey, we're looking to launch this new collection of floral wallpaper. What do you have? You know, so I would then either sell them that pattern, or I could license it to them for a certain period of time. So I just had no idea that this existed, but it kind of felt perfect for me in that with product design, you kind of need space. Like we live in a you know, a sizable Brooklyn, you know, apartment, but still like you need space to be able to mock up a product or to mock up furniture full size, you know, like it just didn't feel practical, especially with the baby coming in. Like it just felt right. like this is too crazy. But the thought of like being able to like draw in my sketchbook and then scan it in and then, you know, manipulate it on the computer felt perfect because like, you don't need space necessarily for that. You just need the the equipment. So at that point, I uh, I decided this is what I want to do. I'm going to pursue this. And there's a show that takes place every year in May called Surtex. It's a, um, it's a trade show for this exact field. So it's basically for surface pattern designers who are looking to get in front of manufacturers who are looking for patterns. So in the summer, of, or let's say May of um, 2014, I decided to launch. So I would say my official launch date is just like two years ago
0: in May. Wow. Yeah. And you're already in Crate and Barrel, West Elm after launching two years.
1: Yeah. It's really crazy. Like to think about it. I feel like I often forget, (laughs) you know, how how young the company is, um, and how much has happened in that short two year time. But um but yeah, I would say I mean definitely one of my career highlights was deciding to do that show, deciding to like fully launch my own company at this Certex trade show. Um, at the time I had a two year old. So my daughter at the time was two and my son was four months old.
0: And Goodness. I, was, I know it was insane. It was
1: insane. I was, I was rescued. Like when I signed up for the show, he hadn't come around yet. Like he wasn't here yet, but I was doing the math and I was like, Oh my God, he's going to only be four when I'm doing a four months old when I, uh, when I'm, you know, exhibiting, knowing full well that I would be breastfeeding and I just had no idea how it was gonna work, but I, I signed up and I was like, I'm gonna just have to figure it out, which I did. Like I got, I was so lucky in um, finding two um, other artists who hadn't done the show, but were looking to do it the following year. So I, I was like, hey, like this might be a good opportunity for you to just sort of see the behind the scenes of the show and like when I need to pump, I'll like sneak away <laughs> and you can watch the table. Yeah, it was pretty crazy now that I think about it. But it worked out well. It worked out well. And like I made some really great connections at the show. Like that's where I met um some of the ladies who work for Minted who were really like very encouraging of my work. They were saying, like, wow, your aesthetic would really resonate with our customers. Like you should really think about submitting some
0: work. Um, and minted is, is, is the, is they mostly, it's mostly like stationary. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. It's mostly stationary. Um
1: art, is a little newer, but most recently they've launched like a whole set of like home textiles and different things. But yeah, I think they're mainly known for stationery, but they also do art as well. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Uh, on the, on the pumping point, I have to share with you that I had a previous guest who was actually, um, investigating, Mm -hmm. police departments for, like, racial profiling. Oh, really? (laughs) And when she was, like, in Arizona (laughs) investigating (laughs) a police oh. department, she had to go pump at the police department. <laughs> she was oh. a department, she's an a, a attorney with the Department of Justice in the Civil Rights Division. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So I think I now have a new goal, which is to get as many crazy women and women and, you know, <laughs> career pumping stories. Now I've got pumping at the, at the Jacob well,
1: Rebitts Convention Center. Well,
0: yeah. pitching your brand new business.
1: <laughs>
0: exactly. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was,
1: it was uh, kind of amazing. But yeah, It it all worked out, but yeah, that was definitely a highlight of my career because I feel like that sort of set off all the other things that have happened since
0: then. Another thing that I'd like to talk about on this show is kind of the effect that gender, race, class has had has on people's career, how it affects their experiences, and um, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, particularly any any like advice also related, um, you know, for others. Yeah. navigating this world that we live in
1: (laughs) definitely definitely no i think just in general when i when i think about or when you even say watch like hgtv or you you know like you watch Mm -hmm. design shows or look at design magazines i feel like it's kind of hard to find another black woman like it's hard to see any black faces period but um in particular you don't really see Many people of color in design, even thinking about um, when I go to different design events in New York, I'm usually one of the few, you know, there are others, but we make up such a tiny percentage of the population, it would Mm -hmm. seem, which is just unfortunate because I feel like when I had thought about pursuing a career in design, well, one, what, you know, what I had working against me was just the whole thought that like, okay, well, you know, because of family pressure, I just couldn't. But then in addition, it was also like, well, no one that looks like me is really doing this, you know, or like, right. Yeah. So it was sort of like, well, maybe, yeah, that's just not what we are supposed to be doing. (laughs) I don't know. It just felt like, you know, or I just felt like had I seen other black women designers at a younger age, I think I would have been much more likely to have pursued this sooner,
0: you know, I've just been hearing this over and over again from the women that I'm speaking to. um, And even even, um, you know, Actually, the episode I was just talking about with Liz Alter, talking about she became a um, a scientist, but she just never envisioned that for her because she didn't see any women scientists,
1: mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So
0: it's like that representational yeah. side of things matters yeah. so oh, much. It do. matters so much. They absolutely much. do.
1: Yeah, they absolutely do. Yeah. And I just, I wish, it's funny, I had like a passing thought, um, or not a passing thought, but just I've been thinking about like, I just wish there was some way that I could, I don't know, create a program or something that would kind of get into schools early, you know? Oh yeah. You know, and just sort of allow them to, to see a black designer, you know, and to realize that you don't have to be a starving artist. Like if you love art, there are many ways that you can still, you know, like do art or be creative um, and still make good money. You know, I just feel like it just seems like uh, impossible to so many people. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, they just don't see other people that look like them in the field. So they just feel like they can't, you know, and um, that I think is a big problem. Just like you said, the representation and not seeing people that look like you in a field makes you feel like you know, you yeah. might not be welcome in this field. You know, it's just right. it's a, it's a tough
0: thing. But right. um, it just doesn't feel like a possibility. You don't exactly. see it anyway. It just doesn't feel like it's possible for That's you. That's right. You know?
1: That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. So that has definitely played a role. But I, you know, I, I, I'm I hoping, you know, that'll change a little bit. I would love to just even on like a local level, do something to, you know, whether it be with like the neighborhood school around here in Brooklyn, like go in and talk to the kids, even in my kids' class, like my daughter is in pre-K right now, just even going into her class and teaching them how to like, you know, do like hand stamping or like anything that would just, you know, allow them to see like, wow, somebody that looks like me is doing this, you know, and that's what she does for her job. I, you know, I think that that is, um, is really important. Oh, definitely.
0: Yeah. Why is the design world so white? It doesn't even make any sense. I, I don't
1: get it. Yeah. I don't get it at all. <laughs> and I'm like, are they just out there, but not as visible? I mean, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting, but yeah, it absolutely doesn't make sense. And I, I think it needs to to change. I really appreciate, I don't know if you've talked to Grace Bonnie of Design Sponge. Have you? Mm-hmm. She's awesome. She's like the creator of Design Sponge and um, she has really made some great efforts to make sure that any sort of, like she just launched a book in the company of women and she made sure that there were, you know, there was representation from Black women and, you know, just people of different ethnicities. Uh, And I think she tends to do that in her blog, her blog Design Sponge and as well in, in this book. I think she's just really good about, about making sure that there isn't that imbalance that you see in a lot of other design publications?
0: I mean, the the diversity, um, you know, people are finally making the business case for diversity, right? People are finally saying that, you know, actually companies with more diverse leadership and more diverse um, workforce uh, perform better because Mm -hmm. you have more perspectives, more, you know, more uh, collaboration in different you know it's not so mono you know that's right. Um, that's right and and design that just seems so obvious like mm-hmm. of all the areas <laughs> all the businesses right yeah, that like yeah. multiple perspectives exactly would really result in much better design mm-hmm. absolutely
1: yeah absolutely totally yeah i agree 100% um,
0: so you're juggling um, brand new business two little kids, two little kids. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Two. Yep. (laughs) What, are there any strategies that you use to kind of make it all manageable or Mm -hmm. to manage that there's that persistent feeling of overwhelm that a lot of us struggle with?
1: Yeah. I, you know, I try, although I have moments when I'm not so great about, you know, sticking to it, but I found that Project planning really helps me a lot because I, I feel like at any one time I have like 30 things on my mind, you know, or like just 30 things that need to be done for the business and 20 things that need to be done like in my personal life. And, to, you know, like it's mm-hmm. just a lot to juggle. And especially now that my kids who are two and four, um, they're both in schools and both of their schools have different calendars. So it's just a lot, a lot to juggle. So I am a big fan of just creating project plans. So not just for the business, but also for my personal life and give myself due dates. (laughs) You know, like I I do that a lot. So I use this app called, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. I think it's Asana or Asana. I'm not sure. Oh, Asana. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I really love that app. It's something that it's one that I use pretty frequently to just kind of keep things streamlined and to help me not get overwhelmed because, I think without setting sort of due dates, it just feels like everything needs to be done right now. And I and I end up not doing anything because it's just so overwhelming to think about this huge to-do list. But I find that just sort of creating a project plan and prioritizing has helped a lot, but it's hard, you know, like even with that, it's hard. Like sometimes I don't feel like I even have the time to get in the app to, you know, to like see what is due today really, really tough. I think I'm so lucky in that my husband is super supportive and he isn't, you know, he comes home and he like pitches right in and he helps and he puts them to bed and he, you know, like he's just um, great. So, you know, I feel lucky in that way to have him as well. But yeah, I think I, I, I really just try and create product plans as much as I can. I also feel like Social media, as amazing as it is, tends to help or to, to um, assist in in my feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Just cause, I mean, it's great. I feel like I get a lot of inspiration from it, especially on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like the more that I look at what other people are doing, the more overwhelmed I feel because it just feels like, oh, my God, everyone is like posting a picture of their latest work and I haven't worked in three days. You know, like it just it just I feel like puts a lot of pressure on me. So I'll often take social media breaks where even though I may be posting, I'm not looking, I'm not really Mm -hmm. scrolling through because that will
0: give me anxiety. (laughs) You know what? I just did this myself. I just took the Facebook app off of my phone. Oh, that's smart. And I've <laughs> found that I'm, like, getting to bed earlier. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm really interested in also in how you use Asana for your – on the home side. Because I've been trying to do that as well, to take some of these project management tools and use them
1: mm-hmm. at home.
0: But I can only really figure out how to do it for work. But you've managed to use it actually for pro- – is it just yeah. for particular projects at home, or is it for managing your day-to-day obligations?
1: Kind of day-to-day obligations, really. So it really could be anything. I mean, I do have my Google Calendar, which I I use a lot as well for like you know just big like deadlines. But for home, yeah, I definitely use it. I kind of just have like a home bucket. So it's not very organized within that. But I'll create lists of like things I need to get from the supermarket. And it probably could be more organized within that. But I just kind of have this big bucket for like all my home kind of stuff. And it works. Like, I mean, it's better than what I had been doing, which was really nothing and just feeling overwhelmed all the time. So this is definitely an improvement.
0: It's those little things, right? It's like death by a million little things. Yes.
1: Oh, my God. And and I do
0: feel like this is a gender imbalance problem. Mm -hmm. Like, this is... I feel like those little things... Yes, you know, and, and my husband doesn't even know that I'm doing them. He, my husband is quite good about all these things as well, but yeah, you know, a lot of them, they, they, these things that these little things that we're all they take up mental space and they take mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. in the workday, and yeah, you know, and I right. do feel like this is a whole thing that does create an obstacle for women to attain their career success. So uh, that's something that I'm I'm thinking about a lot. I'm thinking about solutions. So
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I
0: appreciate
1: that because we need them. Absolutely.
0: Well, we're out of time. This has been such an amazing conversation, but is there any kind of parting wisdom that you'd like to share? Since we could talk, I could talk to you for much longer, but (laughs) um, is there any kind of parting points that you'd like to make?
1: Yeah, I would just say I would I would really just encourage anyone who is at the point where they might be unhappy in their job or, you know, feeling like they don't know it is what they're passionate about. I would just encourage them to talk to as many people as possible. Um, That's something that I wish I had done. I mean, I definitely did it a lot, but I almost wish I'd done it even more just because there I just feel like every person that I speak to, even if I'm not expecting to walk away with like some, you know, nugget of great knowledge, I feel like I often do, you know, like I often walk away just hearing their perspective and it sort of like makes something click in my mind or I create a connection with, you know, it's just, I just feel like it's, it's always helpful to talk to people and, Just sort of tell them what you're excited about or what you think you want to do. And people oftentimes have either they know someone who's sort of sort of in that field, even tangentially, you know, and they could put you in contact or they might have an idea. I just feel like people are a wealth of knowledge and so many people have so many different things to offer. So I would just encourage people to talk to as many people as possible, join groups, you know, like join, I don't know if this is even, I know when I was sort of trying to figure it all out, I was going to meetups pretty often for design and just talking to people about like what they did. And like, cause I was trying to decide between graphic design or interior design, you know, or, or industrial design. So it was just really helpful to just talk to as many people as possible and, and figure out like, if, if say design is what you want to do, do you need to go to school for it? Like, have you talked to designers? Did they also get like a master's? Do you need, you know, like, I just, I would just encourage people to, to try and get as much information as possible before going down any one career path.
0: I couldn't agree more. The more that my career has progressed, the more value I put on just the human interaction. And yeah, um, the more, you know, I'm a journalist in the day. And when I'm, I could spend, you know, an entire week just researching things online, or I could mm-hmm. go out and have like a few conversations and learn far more That's uh, right. with people who have knowledge. So certainly, and when you're at that point, when you're stuck and you're trying to figure out what your passion is or what your joy is, you know, mm-hmm. the more you kind of just go outside of your existing networks and Mm -hmm. and meet people in different areas.
1: That's right. Um,
0: Even volunteering. I've had a lot of people on the show say that Volunteering was what actually um, turned them on to something that they're passionate about. Oh,
1: interesting! About. That's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. or
0: or connected them with networks of people that expose them to the other stuff, and then putting it, it out money. there, like you said, putting it out there, letting people know, like this is what I'm struggling with, or this is what I'm looking for. Yeah, people want to help. That's right. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, Christine, this has been such a great conversation. Uh, For people to check you out online, they can go to christinejoydesign.com, right? Exactly.
1: Yep, that's right. And I saw you have a newsletter there as well. Yeah, yeah. You can sign up for my newsletter there. And um, on Instagram, I'm pretty active there. And my handle is at chrisjoydesign. So C-H-R-I-S-J-O-Y, design.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to our podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and most importantly, tell a friend about us. Thanks for joining us.